Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo, because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday. Happy Memorial Day, folks. Hopefully you all are not listening to this on Memorial Day because you're taking the day off from all things nonprofit, enjoying some time with family, friends, barbecues, whatever your Memorial Day is. Do you have plans? I've got family coming to town. um, Oh, wow. Which should be uh, fun slash interesting. Um. My grandmother has not been on a plane since pre nine eleven, and she nine eleven. I was not expecting that. Yeah, so I don't think she's been through like a TSA process. Mm. I don't think she's ever been to an airport as big as DIA. I don't think she's ready for like how small the seats are going to be. Um, so I'm really nervous, but also very excited for her to come out and visit. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, from someone who just got back from a flight last night and dealt with the airports, people are traveling again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the <laughs> airlines are having a little bit of a tough transition time scaling back up. Ah, yes. Yes, yes. So there's just crap tons of people mm. everywhere. Yeah. And super duper full flights. Ooh. Super duper like to the max can't get another one in awesome love that um and it makes me a little nervous because both times i had something wrong with my plane so it's like where have have these planes been stored away somewhere and they're just like (laughs) Like dusting dusting them off off. (laughs) i also wonder you know the um like worker shortage quote unquote that we're having uh because people don't want to pay more than $7 an hour. I wonder how that's impacting airport employees. I, I genuinely don't yeah. know. That's not a data point I have handy. But I wonder mm-hmm. if that's an issue. That, yeah, I have no idea. No idea. But I was on a plane yesterday that <laughs> we taxied out. And then we stopped for half an hour. And then all of a sudden, they came on and said, one of our engines won't turn on. <laughs> And so we have to go back to the gate so they can turn it on. And I'm thinking, what? And then we go back to the gate and essentially stayed there for another two hours. And then finally decided that they were going to have us deplane because now there were issues with tornadoes in Denver. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? If we are going to be flying into potential bad weather tornado-like scenarios, It'd be really great to have both engines working. It seems right. I'm just curious, what do they have at the gate that like magically turns on engines that doesn't come equipped with the plane? So not only that (laughs) is that they couldn't, so they needed a part, but part, I don't know, but they needed a part and didn't have that part. So they took that part off another plane. Sure, 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 sure. Another one that's just sitting. They've got like a junkyard of planes that they just go out to and grab parts from. This is all very disconcerting. 
And the irony that was, it was so funny. The guy I was sitting next to, who I ended up chatting up because we were together sitting there for two and a half hours. <laughs> and you're Brittany. That's, and I'm Brittany. That's what I do. That's what he does. He works for the company that supplies the parts to the planes. No way. So he would, yeah. So he was texting like his coworkers saying, where is this part and why don't they have it? He's like, I need a CD-232 to Phoenix Airport stat. (laughs) So then I said, oh, so you're like VIP. (laughs) And we definitely weren't VIP because we were (laughs) were way in the back. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What an experience. I know. Well, we're glad you're back safely. Thanks. Thanks. And I know this is super off topic, but I'm going to bring it up anyways, and we can cut it later if we want to. But did you hear that story about the plane flying? uh, It was diverted to Belarus because Belarus's president had somebody on that plane that he wanted. So they came in and like literally hijacked the plane and made it go to Belarus so that he could grab somebody on it and torture yeah. them yeah that's crazy have i told you about my summer with the belarusians <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not you have not i have no idea what you're talking about but i fucking love <laughs> that the next thing out of your mouth was like let me tell you a little bit about this summer i had with some belarusians okay <laughs> i might cut this out as well because it's a long story <laughs> So uh, I was I was probably like 13 or so years old, and um, a local organization was bringing children over from Belarus who um, were in like the Chernobyl exposure area. Okay. Because, you know, they- To Holland, Michigan? Yeah, just to West Michigan in general. Okay. And I think there was maybe a tie-in with our church um, and the DeVos family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. shout out to former Secretary of Education, Betsy. Um and so, like, they brought them on a private plane owned by the DeVosses from Belarus into Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then they had these host families. And so we had two Belarusian children in our home for the summer, basically avoiding radiation exposure. Um, but they didn't do any, like, prep of the families or the kids. And Belarus... So it's just, like, full-on culture shock? Massively. Like, they showed up literally with the clothes they were wearing. So we stopped at the store on the way home to, like, get them clothes. The kids had a fucking meltdown because they'd never been in a store like that before. How old were they? Oh, gosh. they I want to say, like, five and seven. Aw. And uh, they didn't fucking speak English. We, We couldn't communicate all summer. No. <laughs> there would be like once every two weeks that like the groups would get together and there was an interpreter there. Um, and so we could do things like, can you tell them that they have to shower every day? Can you mm. tell them this toothbrush is safe? It was mm. it was horrific. And then the best part of all of it is we found out they didn't live anywhere near the radiation zones. What? Yeah. So this nonprofit that had organized all this basically lied to all the host families just because they wanted to get just because they needed temporary foster families i guess something like that oh and these poor kids are so far from anybody anybody that they know they don't speak the language Mm -mm. 
It was it was awful. One and of them has since found me on Facebook, though. She seems to be doing well. <gasps> really? Yeah. Wow, that is so random. Summer and with the sounds Bell like, um, yeah, that doesn't sound right at all. No, no, yeah, not not even a little bit. Well, anyway, I hope I hope your let's bring this full circle all the way back. I hope your full fa- your family has a very safe trip out here next weekend. Thank you so much. Uh, do you want to share with our listeners any highlights from Brittany's birthday weekend? <laughs> bow, bow, bow. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had that sound maker. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a really great weekend. I flew down to Phoenix and visited um, one of my longest time friends. I didn't want to say oldest because she's not my oldest friend, but I've known her. A very long time since we were um, kids and it was, you know, 85 degrees and she has a pool and so it was all those things, very relaxing. Uh, Hadn't seen her in over two and a half years, so it was great to catch up. Um, She admitted she's never listened to the show, (gasps) so I feel like I should test her and maybe like... I don't know, share a secret of hers or something and see if she... (laughs) That's the new shaming on the nonprofit reframe. If you don't listen, we will share your secrets. (laughs) But her sister does, and we went to visit her sister while we were there. So um, her sister also, like, has the cutest dogs. So I was in heaven. Uh, She has a boxer, and then she has a brand new French bulldog named Marcel, who has his own Instagram page. Of course he does amazing it was oh my gosh it was so cute so shout out to the sister that listens yes shout out to kelly you're my favorite no i'm just kidding um we had a great time it was a lot of fun oh good so thank you and happy birthday thanks thanks new year new year um i want to add a new segment to our show oh yes um monday jokes with nia no, stop. Yeah. Seriously? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, do- I thought you don't like jokes. I love jokes. What are you talking about? All right. Maybe it's m- me who doesn't like jokes. <laughs> Just kidding. I love jokes. I love them. I love them. I'm ready. Okay. Let's do I, it. I, and I take no um, no responsibility for coming up with these jokes. I'm not that funny. But uh, <laughs> I really, I started keeping sticky notes so that this can be a weekly thing. Okay, Brittany, where do mansplainers get their water? I don't know. From a, well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. I like it. I like it. First episode of Jokes with Nia on Mondays. What did I say? Monday Jokes with Nia. I don't know. This is where, I'm serious. I keep saying this and maybe was hoping I get one for my birthday. We need the soundboard (laughs) so you can say it's Jokes with Nia time or something like that. And I refuse to get that for you ever. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Okay. I can't wait till next week. (laughs) So our topic at hand though, um... Yeah, what are we talking about today? We're talking about cryptocurrency. (laughs) Something I know so little about. (laughs) But what's funny is when I texted you the idea for this episode, you were like, yeah, all in, totally. 
Right, because I did a little tiny investment in cryptocurrency a while back, and now I feel like I'm a crypto queen, mm-hmm. and that it is going to absolutely change my life. It is. Um, but I still, I know, it is. But I still know very little about it. <laughs> well, uh, I think the moral of today's episode will be, you and all nonprofit people should know more about it, because there's a lot of opportunity there. Because it is the future of fundraising? Yeah, that, that's the, the takeaways for today. So uh, you can email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. <laughs> so this, what made you think of doing something about cryptocurrency how it, and how it relates to fundraising? Was there an article? No, actually, it was when we were doing the commercial recordings. And one of them, they kept hitting on, like, you can use credit cards. Like, that was the new thing. Oh, right. Yeah. And so I From was, the 80s? Yeah. I was thinking, like, what's the new thing? It's crypto. It's totally crypto. Well, now they have ATMs for cryptocurrency, right? Totally. Yeah. And I've, I've done some research on this. I, I've done this um, training before on controversial gifts and gift acceptance policies. Right. And so I talk mm-hmm. about crypto in that context. But I thought we should just explore it a little bit um, and what what the potential could be for nonprofits. I love it. Well, so I feel like to back it up, we probably need to explain what cryptocurrency is. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. We should do that. Um, oh, I thought I was teeing you up for something you already had prepared. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I Yeah, I can probably fumble my way through this. Um, first off, cryptocurrency, like it's a big umbrella term, but there are a shit ton of them. I mean, people think of Bitcoin because it was one of the early ones and now the biggest, but... There are 6,700 different cryptocurrencies. What? Say that again. 6,700 different cryptos. That's insane. Yeah. And as of about a month ago, their total value was about $2.2 trillion. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, so it's, it's big. It's legit. It's big, legit. What is... Like, what was the premise of it? Like, why were people creating it in the first place? To get away from banks? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably one of the biggest selling points is it's fully decentralized. And, um, you know, what we saw in the um, the last big thing, I, words are struggles. Whoa, you mean a couple months ago no. with the GameStop? No. no. Um, when When this happens to the economy, it goes down. With the recession? The recession. Thank you. <laughs> Fuck me. We, we are now doing charades. <laughs> Sounds like. It's three words. Yeah. Um, yeah. So during the last recession, um, I think actually that spurred on a lot of the crypto excitement because we saw banks just like not treating people all that well, like being so right. focused on themselves and how they're going to make more money. So this decentralized version of it means... There isn't one person or one group of people that is holding it, that is controlling the assets. Um, it really, it, it's meant to be kind of this democratizing grassroots currency. Right. Which, you know, from a, it's really interesting to think about currency because, I don't know, it, maybe it's because I have a six-year-old that's asking me now all the time, like, who made up the word dog? You know, like, what's the origin of that? And I'm like, I have no idea. You know, who made up the English language? Or, 
And so there's so many things in our life that just are that we kind of take advantage of, have been there forever, Mm -hmm. but it's true. I mean, our currency is something that was created and the systems that were put in place and how it's going to be managed. And um, and so this is kind of an anti-establishment movement yeah. almost. Oh, right? absolutely. Of just like- well, and I think, I think so many of the arguments against this kind of creation went by the wayside when we lost the gold standard, mm-hmm. right? Like our money is no longer tied to a physical, tangible anything, it's made up. So why not have something also made up, but that's <laughs> democratically accessible? Right. And I'm not going to go into the specifics on blockchain and all of that, partially because I don't entirely understand it. But the fact of the matter is, there's a shit ton of cryptocurrencies. Now they're, it's worth a shit ton of money. And so whenever there's something like that, there are opportunities for nonprofits. Yeah, I mean, so I did also recently um, notice that Venmo added cryptocurrency yeah. on its platform. Mm-hmm. So you can now pay people through Venmo using crypto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that is actually one of the big indicators of um, access that have shifted. So instead of the early days where you had these you know, lengthy keys that you use to access your own portfolio of crypto... There are now all these exchanges um, and all these ways to actually utilize it, like Bitcoin ATMs. So it ends up being more like a foreign currency than anything else. Yeah, and now I'm seeing on restaurants, too, Mm -hmm. that they're starting, at least here recently, I've seen it, where they're starting to um, accept it. Yeah. As a form of currency. And, I mean, that's true of anything like this. It's going to start in the tech hubs. So I'm sure Silicon Valley's had it for a few years. It's hitting Boulder because we've got so much tech here. And, and I'm sure through some other tech communities throughout the country with the hope of broader proliferation as it continues to, to gain traction. Okay. So in your research, did you find any examples of nonprofits that are accepting it as a form of a donation? Absolutely. There's some big ones, you know, Greenpeace, Water Project, who have been accepting Bitcoin for a while. But the example that I love and that I use in my (laughs) training is uh, Dogecoin. Are you familiar with Dogecoin? I am a little familiar with Dogecoin. Yes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) To the moon. Uh, Brittany and I are laughing because we both are um, investors in Dogecoin, shall we say? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Dogecoin is a crypto, um, but it was really made as a joke. The, the guys who created, created it were having this conversation about cryptos and how like, essentially made up they are. And so one of them was like, yeah, we can make one right now. Use the Doge meme. If you're not familiar, it's a, what kind of dog is that? A Shiba Inu? Shiba Inu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got you know, words and comic sans, bright colors around it, saying things like much dog or fast something. I don't know. Anyway, so they took that meme and essentially created a meme crypto. The funny thing is that then it took off. (laughs) And so what was meant as a joke was suddenly worth like significant money. And the people who created it, the guys were were like, this is not what we are about. 
people could lose their shirt in this. We don't want that. And so they actually started telling people to to cash out, to get rid of what Dogecoin they had. And one of the recommendations on how to do that was to invest in the Jamaican bobsled team. No, really? <laughs> yes. This was back in 2014. And so they essentially funded the Jamaican bobsled team's trip to the Olympics that year. No way. I had no idea. That's amazing. <laughs> so I, I love using Doge just because they have like this history of charitable giving, I guess, more than anything. Yeah, um, and a playful history. Yeah, and playful. Um, but then you, you mentioned the GameStop, AMC, the Reddit explosion of those specific stocks in January. Um, their next round was Dogecoin. Mm-hmm. And then they got some big speakers like Elon Musk. But, you know, <laughs> it helped the value. So it went from, you know, eight cents, like the, the exchange rate of being at eight cents to 30, 40, 50 cents. Um, and I think it topped out at like 78, 80 cents, somewhere in there. Somewhere? I saw it at 66. So it might have gone higher. Yeah, but... it was definitely in the 70s at one point. Um, and so it really took off. And, you know, if you've got any stock, any penny stock, really, that's at eight cents a share, you're not buying one share, you're buying a bunch. And so as it's going, people are actually becoming quite wealthy. But you're only wealthy if that exchanges at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, then the dive started and we're back down in the 30s. Um, but it also just got me thinking about crypto billionaires, mm-hmm. which is also a really big thing. I mean, some huge people thing. have made such huge money on them. Um, what was the one that just went public or something and he's a really young guy and became a billionaire overnight? literally oh, overnight could totally be yeah um for those of you in um like economics and finance it's called an ico initial coin offering instead of an ipo i think that's adorable um but yeah i think on the forbes billionaire list there were like at least a dozen that made their money either directly investing in crypto or because they created some sort of product like coinbase that trades crypto Yeah. And so now, again, kind of circling back to nonprofits, have you heard anything about these newfound billionaires doing anything with their profits in a philanthropic way? That's a good question and something I probably could have, should have researched. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I think actually Dogecoin is still one of the best examples of that because they were like, whoa, this thing is getting out of control. It's highly volatile, um, which is important for all of our listeners to know who are like, yeah, I'm going to go in on some penny crypto and become a billionaire. These markets are massively volatile. You know, there are 6,700 cryptos, and most of them would still be considered like penny stocks. I, like they just never get out and and move. And then you've got Bitcoin, which a few years ago was worth five, 7,000, and now it's in the 30,000s. And so... I think when there's that kind of um, overnight millionaire, billionaire opportunity, there are going to be certain kinds of folks who go to that, who risk it all, and who potentially then lose it all as well. So, you know, we just have to be, I I feel like I want to be cautious with our listeners as we're talking about this. We are not recommending investing in crypto. We are not Mm -mm. recommending any specific 
crypto to watch uh, because it people have lost everything. Actually, I listened to an episode of maybe it was Planet Money where they were talking about this um, and they interviewed a um, a crypto millionaire who like made it overnight um, and then lost a bunch. But he was like, I'm in it for the long game. And he just kept his money where it was and he's hoping everything will rebound this summer. Well, so I'm looking at this. Um, I found this article by Coindesk. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you came across that in your research. Um, it was originally written in March, and then they just updated it here recently um, in May. But where they're talking about crypto philanthropy and, you know, saying the exact same thing that we're saying here of that <clears throat> new ways of making money have often generated new approaches to giving it away. Mm-hmm. So with cryptocurrencies now worth more than all the U.S. dollars in circulation. What? Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. Holders face a, a crucial question. What kind of donors do they want to be? Mm-hmm. And so I think that this is um, really cool angle that the rise of cryptocurrency, just like we talked about, that it's supposed to be, you know, it's decentralized. It's kind of anti-establishment. So it's forced the finance industry and the world at large to re-examine assumptions of transparency, efficiency, and power distribution. So crypto donors have an exciting opportunity to not only grapple with the decision of how much, but also how. Mm-hmm. So how can they add both to the pool of available resources and ensure that it's better spent? Mm. So I like how with this new wave of uh, crypto giving, there's also coming like a moral component to yeah. it too. Totally. Well, it's interesting too because um, there was a recent survey done and I think it's something like 35% of millennials own some cryptocurrency. So when we talk about fundraising by generation, and this has been, you know, the big question for a decade. How do we tap into the next generation? How do we get millennials excited? Well, if if they're investing in crypto, it means that part of our fundraising strategy needs to be around accepting crypto. Yeah. I don't even know what that looks like. I'm so... Yeah. Well, so that's the, the I think, where most organizations are like, sure, you know, in concept, yeah, but how do we actually make this happen? Um, and I think it's important before we get to that to talk like one stage removed about how people trade crypto mm-hmm. because there are two two real ways. There are sites like Robinhood, which are just crypto brokers. And so you're really trading it like a stock. You never actually own the currency itself, right? Like you couldn't take your Robinhood account, even if it had Bitcoin in it, and go to a Bitcoin ATM and do anything right. with it. That's just a broker. But then you have actual crypto exchanges, which is like a currency exchange. So you put your US dollars into it, and then you buy so much cryptocurrency as if it was a foreign form of currency. Once you have that, that's where you can actually trade it. So the the hope is that with a Coinbase kind of thing, the potential donor would be able to take it directly from their wallet, that's what it's called online, like a Coinbase wallet, and send it to the nonprofit. In order to do that, though, the nonprofit has to have the tools to receive it. Right. And that can get really overwhelming. When we, in reality, it actually isn't that bad. It's like, have you ever been in a nonprofit when you first start to take stocks? Yes. Right? Like there's a little upfront work, right? You got to figure right. out how you gotta, you're going to do that. You've got to get some paperwork ready so that you can give it to the donor when they want to make that transfer. But once you have it, it's easy. But it's going through a third party. Right. It's usually going through um, a financial institution, a 
right. you know, who is making that exchange and then selling that stock for us as soon as we get it. And it depends on your acceptance policy. Right. So in, in my example, that's yeah. how it worked. And then we got the cash, right? you know, from them. Exactly. And it would work similarly with crypto. There are a bunch of different tools now and some that are even integrated with CRMs. So um, you can actually do that pretty seamlessly. Um, but you have to pick the, the tool you want. And then you have to figure out what your policies are going to be. So this is one of my big takeaways for folks. If you're looking at getting into crypto, you really have two big jobs, figuring out what tool you're going to use and then figuring out your gift acceptance policy around it. And I wonder, too, if it'll be made easier in time with some of our um, donation platforms, if they'll start incorporating it in the platform. So, you know, it's just like when you can say, oh, we accept... MasterCard, Discover, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. It's just another one of those things that you can say you accept because it's already been incorporated into your your giving platform. Well, and they're starting to have that. I mean, it's essentially like a plug-in kind of thing that you have. Uh Um, I've got a a few CRMs that I work with regularly with clients who have something like that, a a third-party connection that would allow that to happen. So that way... Yeah, you've got that that tool. Um, and just like any other contribution, the donor gets the amount at the time of transfer. So right. I give it to you today. My Bitcoin is worth $3,000. I get the deduction for $3,000. It's still then on the nonprofit to figure out what to do with that. Right. And here's where, again, now we're, we're working in markets that are highly volatile. Most organizations, especially those who are risk averse, are going to want to convert it Immediately. Immediately, yeah. Yeah. Take that crypto, boom, right into U.S. dollars, right into your bank account. There are only going to be, you know, a handful. And those who also feel really well-versed in crypto that are going to want to keep it or exchange it in any other way. Um, And so this also kind of gets you off the hook. If all you have to do is accept the money, convert it to U.S. dollars, you don't have to be a crypto whiz. Right. Exactly. Well, I thought this was interesting. In that same article, they said that uh, crypto donors have already begun to make their mark and that in 2018, there's a group that calls themselves Pine, gave 5,104 Bitcoin to 60 charities entirely anonymously. Mm. And that um, it's the world's only trading platform, FTXs, crypto or otherwise, that was founded explicitly with the goal of donating to the world's most effective charities. So it donates 1% of its net fees. Mm -hmm. So there really is this blossoming philanthropic side to this whole new currency that we're seeing created. That's really cool. The other important thing to know for fundraisers is that uh, part of that decentralized nature of cryptocurrencies is that those exchanges are entirely anonymous. Mm. So, you know, kind of like stock transfers, you have to have the donor be the one to be like, hey, I just sent you three shares of GM, right? Like that's coming from my account. Otherwise, you you typically don't know. Similarly, for crypto, you would need them to do that. As of right now, since most nonprofits, uh, besides really big ones, don't have this infrastructure, you're probably going to know because they're going to call you and say, hey, can you accept my crypto? 
<laughs> and you're going to give right. them the instructions and that's how you're going to figure that out. So um, that that's more than anything, just something to know. If you get big enough and crypto becomes a more common stream of revenue, you're just going to have a lot of anonymous contributions and that's okay too. So going back to takeaways, um, maybe one takeaway is as a nonprofit organization, don't be scared yeah. to venture into the crypto space in the sense of um, looking into it to find out how you would accept it. Mm -hmm. But then also maybe putting it out there and saying you'll accept it. Yeah. I think any organization that uh, wants wants to get to that point they want to have some really open conversations, especially with their board, about um, some gift acceptance policies for it. You know, you, you don't want a development director just being like, yep, we're open for crypto <laughs> without having those broader conversations. Um, but the, I feel like there's this undertone of risk that really doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not like um, people are making fraudulent transfers that would put you at risk or anything like that. Like, it's like anything else. Once you have the money, you have the money. And you use it for your wonderful charitable purposes. Well, it's so interesting because I, I just always hear the, but it's not real. It's not something that's real. Yeah. But it is. Well, I mean, it, it's, it stands for real money. That It's more real than that cherub headboard and the amount you're <laughs> going to realize from selling it. That is true. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would funny. much rather have people send me crypto than any kind of in-kind good. Because I can take that crypto and boom, within 30 minutes, I have US dollars in my account for that amount. Yeah. Hashtag crypto for good. Ooh, crypto Ooh. for good. I like that. <laughs> Now we just have to create our own platform where we can accept crypto to the nonprofit reframe. I wonder if Patreon has crypto yet. I know. We'll have to look at that. But yes, I well, think I think that is the big takeaway. Like it is not that scary. You don't have to be a a genius. You don't have to research all 6,700 cryptos. You can use these other uh, third-party tools to integrate to make the transfers really easy on you. Just like you don't know what's happening with all the NASDAQ companies, right? Like just think of it in those terms. If you accept stocks as a class of um, financial vehicles, you can accept cryptos as a class of financial vehicles. Right. You just have to have the tools in place and the policies to make sure your organization's all in alignment around it. It says that if Bitcoin reaches $200,000, that half of the world's billionaires will be crypto billionaires. Oh, my God. That's fascinating. I know. Isn't it? Well, we could get into like mind cryptos versus others and the realities of all of that. Uh, but then you're going to ask me a bunch of questions I don't know the answer to. So we're not going to yeah, do Yeah, because I don't even know those words you just said. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we want to hear from you. Are these conversations that you're having at your organization, has crypto come up with a donor? Has it come up at a board meeting? You know, what have been the thoughts around it? And what have people, um, what has been the general mm -hmm. sense or feeling? Is there is there fear? Is there excitement? Um, we want to know. 
Yeah, I got to say with my clients where it's come up, it's usually the fundraiser bringing it up as like, we need to do this thing. I have had it very infrequently actually raised to the level of going to the board or getting the systems in place. It just seems to fizzle out. Um, And if you are truly interested in getting millennials and even Gen Zers to be involved financially with your organization, you have to look at this. The financial systems are changing. Where people are putting their money is changing. And if you don't, you will be left behind. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put an article about it in my next e-newsletter. Bring it up at the next board meeting just to shake things up. Yeah. It's so funny that it's got like this taboo, I don't know, sense about it when it really isn't. Yeah. It's just new and scary. It is. And... I mean, I go back to the fact that I never thought Redbox was going to be a thing. I saw it in a McDonald's one day, and I thought that was the <laughs> dumbest thing I had ever seen. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why do you and think it was next, dumb? I was like, who's getting a movie while they're, like, picking up their Big Mac? <laughs> very short-sighted. Very short-sighted over here. And, you know, that's when we were doing um, – Netflix mm-hmm. was it called Netflix by mail? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. To get the movies, and then like the whole. St- how, what do you mean? Like I own a movie, but I don't actually have it physically. Like, it, <laughs> where's? How do I have access to it all the time? So, point is, is that things are moving so rapidly in the tech space. It shouldn't be surprising that something like this could take off and and be a real thing in a few years that we're all like remember when we thought cryptocurrency was so strange uh also point being don't take investment advice from Brittany. <laughs> so true <laughs> so true though i had a premonition about the rv market taking off this time last that's year true. that's true um i would also love to hear from listeners if anybody has had um, a donor approached them about giving crypto, even if you didn't have the infrastructure. I, I'm just curious about um, kind of the mentality around that. Like, are people wanting to do direct transfers um, or are they converting it and then giving you cash in there? Well, I guess you'd probably never know then that it was a crypto at one time. Um, yeah, I just I, I think there's a lot to uncover and explore in these spaces and I don't just want it to be the big organizations that are benefiting. Like, mm-hmm. I think there are really inexpensive, easy ways for small regional organizations to take advantage of this. Yeah, I agree. So if people have those stories, how can they get in touch with us? Uh, they can email us. We are at nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. Also, please keep sending in your stories and questions. We are getting ready for a listener episode in June. We need a couple more, so please send them our way. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Nonprofit Reframe. This is a call out to anybody sitting here listening who is a crypto billionaire or a crypto millionaire or a crypto just made a couple thousand dollars that they weren't expecting. Um, the nonprofits could use that money. Um, they need our help and our support, our financial help and support when we have the capacity. So please give and give generously. Thanks, folks. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.